Welcome to Millennium Live, a digital diary podcast. We sit down with the top C-suite executives and talk all things digital transformation. 20 years within the digital experience space, the enjoyment of being with the up-and-coming technologies led Sonia Kratrostos to Content Stack, where she is the current head of European go-to markets. We had the pleasure of having her sit down virtually with Katy Perry to talk mock technology, the challenges their customers are facing, and how now is the time companies need to embrace change. Thank you for joining me today, Sonia. Thank you for having me, Katie. It's great to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad you're here. So before we jump in today, can you give us a little background on yourself and Content Stack? Sure, absolutely. So I've been uh, working in the digital experience industry for a good 20 years. That used to make me feel experienced, but now it's getting uh, a little old, isn't it? Um, I started working in, in implementation for a large um, enterprise brands and their global digital experiences, moved into the um, sales and marketing side and uh, later into product marketing and alliances. So um, from a vendor perspective, I've had a chance to support customers really from from very different angles in their journey, which has been um, absolutely exciting. I really enjoy being with the up and coming technologies out there. Uh And that is what, what led me to Content Stack. Content Stack is a content experience platform the terminology is somewhat new. Um, uh, customers or, or listeners will probably recognize it as content management, web mm-hmm. content management, digital experience. There's there's a lot of different terms for that. Content Stack is um, a rather young company. We've been founded in uh, 2018, but the history of the product goes back much, much further than that for yeah, a good five, six years. This product has served large enterprises in creating better customer engagement through content experiences. So you had mentioned you like to be with the most up and coming technology. So what led you to Content Stack? Oh, that's a good question. I think first and foremost, what led me to Content Stack is having been an industry insider, the, the customer advocacy that Content Stack has for its product and also the company. If you look at public reviews, G2 Crowd or the Gartner Peer Insights, you will see very authentic first-hand reviews from customers. And we all know that enterprise software that we use every day, most people don't love it. So it intrigued me that ContentStack is doing something right there. From a technologist perspective, um, I enjoy that ContentStack being such a fresh modern technology is right on the trend of what the industry refers to as Mach technologies. And, um, and, and I see that our customers are really exploiting that to the fullest and getting to a level of engagement and agility that just wasn't possible like a decade mm-hmm. ago. The editor usability is fantastic. And that is also um, something that surprised me very much because this new technology is often very geeky. You know, it's often made for developers. Right. And Content Stack looked at it from the business user and the content manager's perspective first. Oh, and wow. then and then also brought in the development excellence and, and the enterprise architecture pieces. But that makes it a very different uh, beast in, in a large market, essentially, if that makes sense. So what did you say Mac technology is? It's a new term that, it, that encompasses a combination of um, architectural paradigms that mm-hmm. we feel makes technology modern. 
so it's it's Mach technology, Mach in the sense of uh, fast uh, speed speed of sound. Um, M stands for microservices. That's the idea that a technology has modular services components rather than being one big monolithic blob that um, is not very agile within itself. And that has implications for how um, easy it is to create interoperability with other pieces of digital experience technology through APIs. Um, A stands for API first, so API being an application programming interface. And um, API first means that whenever functionality is released, it has to be available as a um, general available programming interface okay. and well documented on top of any user interface functionality that you might have. And, and also that plays into the idea of any brand that is looking to create an outstanding experience for their digital customers will ultimately have to piece together a lot of different tools. You know, we sell content management, but there is commerce, there's personalization, there's analytics, there's search, there is digital asset management. And having um, a solution that enables a, a brand to use APIs to create connectivity between these systems in a, in a straightforward and a seamless way is, is very crucial for the whole thing to work. And then C stands for cloud native SaaS, software as a service, that, um, that essentially plays to the notion of you can access the software in the cloud, you do not have to worry about having servers in your basement and maintaining that you know, whether your IT team does that yourself or a vendor does it for you in a hosted scenario. Mm -hmm. The challenge for organizations in that is that if you, if you use those old school, those legacy solutions, you're often stuck with upgrading software. Mm -hmm. And upgrading software in reality means um, you have to freeze your, the innovation of your digital experience for weeks or, or sometimes even months. Um, there's cost attached, there's effort attached to upgrading, and there's risk attached, where pure software as a service solutions, customers will always benefit from the latest release. And it's um, we refer to that as seamless rolling upgrades. But essentially, it means we innovate something amazing and it's there for all of our customers right away. Okay. And then H stands for headless. Um, and that term has been around for a while. It's a very unfortunate term. <laughs> headless sounds like something is missing. It does. Essentially what it, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so if you, Katie, have any ideas for a better term, the industry <laughs> is uh, longing for one. Um, but uh, whilst we don't have that, so headless means essentially that the, the front end experience is not directly tied to the systems that create it. So right. very concretely, with a headless content management system, you can deliver obviously a website, but you can also at the same um, speed, the same grace, deliver a, a mobile application and um, in-store display, a um, IoT application, um, kiosks. Um, we have uh, smart arenas in our customer example. So really anything um, that would consume content can be served from one single source without having to worry about what framework um, the organization needs to use or chooses to use uh, on the front end. It's a very, 
technical um it is te technical but you explained it very well so thank you okay. so with this technology can you give me some examples of what challenges customers can solve with this yeah and thank you for asking that because the question is really okay what's the business case behind this right right i think first and first and foremost um agility and dexterity of an organization. So all those elements that I said from a technology perspective, they are geared to allow an organization to set up a composable um, um, ecosystem of, of uh, vendor solutions that serves their unique business case best. Mm -hmm. And if I look at our customer base, then customers that moved from the legacy monolith uh, suite solutions to um, to mach technology they all report factor five factor ten agility in the speed to market so a customer has an idea brand has an idea of what to do with their digital experience until deployment that is significant um, because that brings down not just the time to market it brings down the development cost it brings down um, the opportunity for the competition to do something fantastic in the meantime. And, and what is interesting is that the combination of being fast and having everything run in a SaaS environment at the same time brings down cost. So Elastic, for instance, is a big um, well-known software vendor. Um, they, they factor five their development um, speed and effectiveness and cut down cost to one fifth at the time. Wow. And of course, you know, if, if one goes up, the other one goes down, the, what our customers do is they utilize all that additional potential and all those additional resources to innovate over their digital experience. And then, you know, it's an upward spiral. Um, you, you're faster with everything great you can try and experiment with, leading to a better customer experience, leading to more revenue, and at a, at a um, cost efficiency that is amazing. Right. So, of course, a hot topic right now is COVID-19. Yeah. Um, so what did the pandemic mean for your customers specifically? That, that's an interesting question. I think no other time has shown the importance of being able to change course quickly, certainly in digital, as the last few months. Sure. Um, nobody in January would have thought what the world looks like for us today and, and how quickly it has changed and what that means for brands. So, you know, if you think of a marketing team that had their 2020 plan firmly cemented January 1st, their it, world, everybody's world, no matter right. what industry you're in, no matter what region you're in, has been turned upside down and our customers' world has as well. The, the first aspect of that really is the ability to change and the mm -hmm. ability to quickly pivot. And there's a few examples. So see, we have a very diverse um, customer base. So we have a lot of customers in retail and luxury uh, brands, for instance. And their challenge, their first and foremost challenge was just being available and being um, able to deliver at speed mm -hmm. because that industry has made like a like three decades of growth in three months of projected growth mm -hmm. in January, right? So that comes with a lot of load on the systems, that comes with a lot of additional requests, and we all know the supply chain and, and also the delivery chain has struggled somewhat, but those retailers that were on true cloud native software could deliver 
their digital experience and could engage with their customers, not just in a reactive way, but also in a proactive way. So say, for instance, you're selling um, hair products, right? And your customers can't go anymore to their hairdresser. No. Instead of just sitting there and waiting for someone to think, maybe I should buy some hair color myself and figure out how that works. If you're able to pivot quickly, you can start setting up helpful content that really speaks to the needs and that says, hello, we know you can't go to the hairdresser, but you can still look pretty. Here's how you can do it yourself. Here's the products that we have. And of course, the brands that will think about what does my customer need and will be able to react to that consistently throughout any channel mm-hmm. will leave a, a, a lasting impression. We have a large um, international toy retailer um, that pivoted in, in two very interesting ways in this time. The first is that they had a B2B practice that would sell educational toys to schools and um, educational facilities only. They were able in a few weeks to shift that business to also selling to direct consumer because everybody was teaching from home. Now, this is really pricey um, toys, but as a parent, I was certainly desperate to keep my children amused in this homeschooling time. Right. (laughs) And, And it's been a significant source of new revenue, but it would not have been possible had they not had the processes and the technology to make that shift. Right. They, by the way, and I cannot claim any involvement in that, they also shifted one of their production lines to make face masks, which I think is also mm-hmm. fantastic instead of toys. But it shows you a mindset that that, mm-hmm. that, that retailer is in and, and an ability as an organization from a thought process, not just technology, to pivot to what is needed at, at um, any given point in time. Right. Another, sorry, I have a lot of examples. No, please, don't apologize. <laughs> Another example is, um, is Ellie May, who, who I'm sure many uh, will know. Ellie May um, is running their um, experience, their content experiences on, on Content Stack, and they had um, a massive um, Ellie May experience event for their um, customers and, and, and their, their fans, essentially. Um, organized and it was all planned out to to the last detail lockdown came and the event had to be cancelled and that is a situation that many other organizations were in of course now what Ellie made it differently is that within a few weeks they virtualized this complete event on top of content stack so all the speeches all the the um, educational information all the attendee interaction they moved from start to finish, from thinking about this to its live within six weeks. It was such a fantastic success. Their customers were so thrilled that they still had a chance to get all this information, that they still had a chance to interact with each other, that they actually had double the attendance and then double the reach, wow. right? So again, here, amazing story and, and the, 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 the time span, the, the brevity of that and how, how cost effective it is as well to do this. Um, that's, that's what really made a big difference for our customers and, and what they also actively tell us, which is, which is just great. So you have given so many examples of your customers that have been able to take something really tragic for the world and make it better yes. for their company. But for a company that maybe doesn't have the ability to change or doesn't have been, 
I, mentality to change. Could you offer any advice to them to using new technologies? I think my first advice would be to uh, take a good hard look at the assumption that staying with the status quo is safe because I personally think it is the riskiest choice right now to stay with the status quo. Um, it's not just, it's not just COVID-19. Um, there is so many incidents like that, that we can't predict. The most important thing for any organization is to be able to pivot. Um, the competition isn't standing still, right? If it's not a pandemic, it might be your competitor doing something fantastic. Customer expectation isn't standing still. Um, the, the amount of channels that we're expecting to interact with in a consistent and engaging way is not standing still. The idea to, to stay where you are is often, often comes from the fear of what the other solution might look like. And um, I would advise to talk to organizations that have made the shift and hear their stories and understand that it is actually not very scary to go down this path. And, and when I say this path, I don't just talk technology. That's really a, a shift in, in people and process needs to be in place for technology to have a, a benefit. So if a company was saying, okay, it's time to change our technologies, where would they start? Yeah, that depends very much on where that, comp that company is at today. There's essentially two different models. So you don't need to completely re-engineer all your technology, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I would really advise those organizations that you mentioned before that might not have agile practices set up yet, that don't have that culture of experimenting and iterating continuously innovating i would even say don't don't do a whole revamp of your technology start with a project that is very important for you to get out quickly get out in a in a good way that has some internal strategic um stance as well so that you will get attention with it and then pick that initiative and use it as a proof of concept. See what would happen if we would pivot our organizations. And what we've seen is that organizations that do that, where usually the, the more executive leadership is hesitant to inflict change, when you have such a project, especially the younger, the, the, the Gen Z, Gen X even workforce will jump onto these projects and they will enjoy so much that they have the ability to um, create something new that they feel empowered to really create business value as well and this is not just the technologists this is also the business users that that think in different ways start there prove the point internally showcase internally that it works because that's so much easier to believe the team down the hallway um, compared to uh, another company. And then from there, build out. And we do have, we do have instances like that in our customer base. There's a, um, there's a large um, North American uh, fashion retailer that had a situation where they had a mobile app for Black Friday that was pretty rigid. Um, mm -hmm. And they prepared everything for Black Friday. This was two years ago. And Black Friday starts and within like two hours, 10 a.m. in the morning, 
everything they had on their mobile app on the home screen and the sub home screens was sold out, which is great, right? Now, the challenge was that all of this was so hard coded and was not hooked up to a content experience platform that it took them two weeks, two weeks to replace the products on that mobile app, which means for two weeks, whenever someone came to that site and was like, or that app and said, oh my God, I want to buy something. Every single product was sold out, a complete brand hazard. So they said, we're never going to do this again. We're going to buy the most expensive software that's out there. And next year we'll be in good shape. So they did that. They bought the most expensive software out there and then started a nine month project. Eight months into that project, they were four months behind in their development. And then they called content staff. And then we turned that around in a matter of weeks and actually launched two weeks before Black Friday. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the comparison that unfortunately I can't share between the revenue figures then and the revenue figures when they were empowered to actually control through marketing, through merchandisers, through content teams, their apps themselves, uh, fantastic. That that um, company has now today 10x of mobile app usage and that translates into the revenue stream. And, and also here, the the experience that started on mobile moved then into in-store experiences so they have a lot of digitalized shops where mm -hmm. you have the the in-store displays and after they saw the success of that they moved content site also to power their digital stores and the connectivity between the mobile app a customer has and when they go into the store and the the, the screens um also uh, function in the same way and create that connected engaging experience is is beautiful but it's a good example for someone that didn't just revamp everything that started with one, one right so you mentioned that you came in and within a couple of weeks you they were up and running for black friday how long does it normally take for a company to implement content stack is it normally just a couple of weeks um that also depends on what you mean by implementing content stack. So this is where the idea of having a composable architecture comes in. Okay. If you think about this as a big digital transformation project where you replace all of your technology that plays into digital experience, then that is a long project. That is not something you do in a matter of weeks that needs to be, you know, there's a lot of change management. Um, there is a lot of um, overhead and organizational um, aspects to that too. Um, and we do have customers like that, that will, mm -hmm. um, with the partners of ours in you know, commerce and personalization and so on, completely replatform. That'll take months, right? Let's not, let's not uh, kid ourselves there. But this example I just gave about the app was a matter of weeks. Um, uh, the, an example of a, a, a very iconic British luxury brand, luxury brand um, is that whilst that whole process of shifting the entire brand front end and the other technologies uh, did take some time, the actual content stack implementation was just a matter of, you know, a few weeks, say up to three months. And I remember when I went there, the VP Digital said to me, that was my first thing that I did as uh, when I joined content stack, it was a little scary. And he said to me, oh, well, you know, we really significantly overestimated the implementation effort that it took um, to roll out content stack. Mm -hmm. Sorry, what did you just say? I've, you know, I've been 20 years with vendors. I have never heard that. And I've seen um, the, the, last, the last three customers that we onboarded actually were live 
with the technology before their legal and procurement departments had managed the review. So the developer teams can faster translate the time to value than the organizational wills in the background. And this is because, you know, we open up a, a trial instance for companies to start working on it. But that is speed, right? We're not talking anymore about you need half a year to implement um, a system. But that is assuming that is assuming that indeed you already know what your front end is looking uh, will be looking like and you already know what other systems you need to get into that's of course outside of uh, what a customer would consider content stack implementation effort mm -hmm. and and and, the, and and then also this is not just a technology thing this is also about you know getting getting the business users on board getting the marketing team on board the content editors um, and there it helps um, if i may mention g2 crowd again um, we just recently also won the award for the easiest uh, to use CMS on there. And that large toy retailer that I mentioned, mm -hmm. um, they said to me that it takes always with all their casual subject matter expert users, it never takes longer than half an hour for people to understand how they can actually create content and publish content and where to. And this is a company that is running 25 different languages, uh, over 70 websites, digital stores, applications uh, fan gaming ones right so it's a very very complex digital experience mm -hmm. architecture but still using the solution underneath it's not and that's also important for implementation efforts that you don't end up with three months of, of training afterwards as well of course very agile very um quick time to market indeed so i know i mentioned COVID 19 and with everything going on we're of course in a more digital world with which you and I have spoken about and how important it is. So with all of that being said, what have you appreciated most about Millennium's educate and engage virtual platform? What we appreciated most is also how quickly you pivoted uh, from the um, round tables in person to the virtual round tables. And in general, I love that format that you do because it's very different to a classic conference where brands go up on stage and, you know, do their, the Facebook world of that brand with all the um, happy, polished, brilliant successes they had. I do think the value in those roundtables is that you can be authentic and open and show sort of the battle scars you have and compare mm -hmm. bruises and um, talk to other executives about how you've overcome that um, within your organization. And I'm surprised um, how different organizations tackle a, a challenge and come to a solution and i think that is very interesting to see hey this could work too and that could work too and the fact that we can't meet in person but still can do this virtually through millennium alliance is just fantastic adds tons of value great thank you thank you so much for joining me virtually today sonia it was wonderful to have you and hopefully eventually we'll see you in person that would be fantastic thank you so much for having me katie Make sure to listen and subscribe to our podcast exclusively on iTunes and SoundCloud to get the inside scoop from top execs in the world of digital transformation.